Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. This ain't your abuelita's financial advice. I'm your host, Janice Torres-Rodriguez, and I'm here to help you tackle grown woman business when it comes to all things dinero. We're going to talk about how to make it, keep it, and grow it. On that note, vamos. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode on the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast. This is your host, Janice. Thank you so much for being here. I am just coming off of a high for many reasons, most of all because yesterday we just wrapped up the Finances and Fuego Summit. If you were not a part of this summit, mija, let me tell you, you missed out. We had five days of freaking amazing presentations all about investing from the basics shared by Miss Be Helpful to the FIRE movement shared by Delianne, the money coach. We had a lesson on building generational wealth from Bravely Go, and we wrapped up the week with Vanessa from Wander Onwards sharing all types of ways that she's investing across different countries, across borders. Like It was just freaking amazing, and it is not too late for you to get the content if you were not able to sign up. So if you want to check out all of the replays and relive the magic of finances in Fuego and hang out with the Fuego Five, uh, me included, I also did a presentation on REITs or real estate investment trusts and how you don't have to become a landlord to invest in real estate. So if any of that sounds amazing and like something you want to learn about, definitely head over to my Instagram at Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast, click on my bio, and you can find a link where you can register up through Sunday 
the 17th and get access to all of the replays. Definitely don't miss it. Now let's get into this episode. So I am so excited about today's episode because I am obsessed with travel. I love all things travel. I literally have a bank account for travel because I spend that much money on it and girl, not planning for it was getting me into a shit ton of debt. So once I realized that I need to budget for this stuff because I love it and I'm passionate about it, um, it became my obsession. And so I literally work to travel. And I know that our next guest can definitely relate to that. We are talking to Angel Trin, the founder of Pennywise Traveler. It's a lifestyle and travel blog where she shares free weekly New York City events. She shares travel tips and money advice. This woman has been to 35 countries to date and all seven continents, y'all. And we're going to talk to her about what it was like to actually visit Antarctica. WTF. I was just, I didn't even realize that that was a goal that people had, but we're talking to someone who's been there and she can tell us all about it. So by day, Angel works in tech and cybersecurity, and she's going to talk all about how she got into that field. And she's also passionate about personal finance. So she is giving you all types of money tips on her site, on her Instagram. You can follow her on Facebook. And this girl is killing it. You know, she's got her fully funded emergency fund. She's maxing out her retirement account. She's doing it all. And she's actually been featured on the Today Show and BuzzFeed and on Forbes for her work in money, travel, and technology. So I don't want to spoil any more of Angel's story, so I can't wait for us to get into this conversation with her. Let's get into the convo with Angel Trin of Pennywise Traveler. All right, Angel, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Me too. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah. So uh, just a little background for the listeners. So I discovered you on Instagram. I feel like I've discovered most of my guests on Instagram because there's just so many amazing women that are making awesome content. And you were kind enough to share the Side Hustle Summit as one of several free like educational summits that people have been putting together. And I just really, I really appreciated you doing that. And then I realized that you're a travel blogger, but you're also like about not being reckless with your money when it comes to travel, which is really up my alley because I consider myself a budget slash bougie traveler. So <laughs> I feel like <laughs> we have we have that in common. Yeah, definitely. I'm the kind of person who find like the cheapest way, but also like I got to have my piece of cake too, you know, like I'm yes. not going to go like the cheapest route because then I won't like the trip. I have to have some middle ground. So I do agree with you. I like to be bougie, but I like to be on a budget. Absolutely. And then you can travel more because you're just not wasting all your money on one trip. Definitely. <laughs> all right. So I want to talk a little bit about your relationship with money and what it was like growing up. And how did you first become interested in like personal finance and travel? If you can talk me through that. Oh, perfect. So I first got interested in personal finance because like kind of like everybody else, like my parents were immigrants. So like since you come in like a family that comes from immigrants, you don't have a lot of money to begin with. So you have to be kind of creative and like learn how to like help them out and everything. Especially because like growing up, my parents, since they were immigrants, they don't know that much English. So like my parents actually missed some of their credit card payments earlier when I was growing up and stuff because they didn't realize that they had deadlines because some credit cards had like no interest fees for a certain amount of like months. So they didn't really know English that well. So I had to help them out when I was a kid. And then um, my parents struggled to write checks because they couldn't like write the letters perfectly because they're from China. 
So what I did was I I I actually had to write the checks for them and put the stamp on them for like the to and the from because my parents weren't really good with English. Like my mom, she went to like adult school for a little bit, but she had to stop because she had to go get a job because like you know you can't have like two like like one immigrant person working. You need two people to to make money and to make ends meet. Right. Yeah, I totally get that, and I think a lot of people with. Um, immigrant backgrounds and immigrant parents, like they just understand the struggle. We're always having to kind of work harder than everybody else for what feels like less than everybody else. So um, can you tell us a little bit about like what your spending habits were like as you grew up and started earning money and how they've evolved over time? Yeah, definitely. So growing up, my parents and I, we would try to find like kind of like, like we would shop at the dollar store, you know, because I'm like, you know, like that's the cheapest way you could get certain items. We would try to find stuff like to stack. Like sometimes like I remember going to Sunday newspaper. This sounds really funny, but before like growing up, I didn't know that it was not free to get a Sunday newspaper. So for a while, I actually got away with it for putting in my shopping cart. And after like, I think it was like a few months at least, they started noticing. They're like, lady, you have to pay for that. (laughs) So like, it's so funny. Like when you think about like that growing up and how you are today, and then we would go to, I think like it was like Ralph's or Albertsons where you could get double the amount of coupons. So we would go shop on those days when you get double the coupons to stack and everything. And on top of your like Vons or Ralph's um, card to use at the store. So it's actually kind of funny, like growing up, like I actually got away with it for a while until they started noticing. Like I think like one cashier was like, lady, you have to pay for that. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. And she was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, and she let me go. <laughs> That's so funny. And I still shop at the dollar store. I have no shame in my game. It is a great place to find a lot of stuff. Yeah, you can find a lot of good stuff there. Like, I mean, of course, you shouldn't buy that much candy. But like buying candy at the dollar store is like way cheaper than buying at the grocery store because it's only a dollar. Yeah, for sure. So what do you do now? Like, what's your career path look like at this point? Okay, so my career path is I'm actually in technology. So I work in cybersecurity as my day job. And then um, as my side hustle, I have my money and travel blog, Pennywise Traveler. Okay. And so how did you get into both of those uh, spaces? So I got in technology because I did um, a boot camp. So what happened was um, I worked in advertising for a few years after undergrad because I majored in media studies and political science. So I worked in advertising for a few years, but they like when I worked in advertising, I just didn't like it. I felt like it was very pretentious and like it just wasn't the environment I wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. So I decided to like like go to a tech boot camp. So I did a tech boot camp at Records and then like after that finished I was like no like I need to like learn some more like I can't just get a job right now. So ironically like this is going to be so back to the money. So one of the career advisors at my boot camp, she gave me a promo code to use to go to um a hackathon. And mm. at that hackathon I actually won the hackathon with a girl I met there and then she told me about the free program that they had for this for the school called Perscolas to learn how to do cybersecurity. So I didn't I did it right after, but it's so fun. It goes back to money. Like how I went to the coding bootcamp, one of the um, education um, persons be there, like the um, the instructor there, she gave me a promo code to go to the Capital One hackathon to go for free. So I don't have to pay for it. And then I ended up winning that hackathon with a girl I met there. And then we got featured in Forbes for winning that hackathon. And then she told me about going to this school to learn how to do cybersecurity for free. So it's, it's funny how like everything circles out to each other. 
in that sense. Yeah, for sure. And I wouldn't have never, I would have never wound up to get a promo code, (laughs) which is like pretty funny, you know, because I was like, at that point, I was like, I already have debt from going to this card bootcamp. I don't have that much money. And then like, she gave me a promo code because she found one. And then that's how I, that all began. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I've actually been thinking about going to a coding bootcamp. So like, what is that actually like? It was actually pretty intense and you're actually pretty lucky. So starting on Monday, I have to post this on my um, Instagram to make a permanent post. I'll probably make it eventually later this week. But I posted in my story that there's actually three free um, tech boot camps coming up. So my advice for you is to actually like go to them and see if you like it or not. Because the thing is, it usually costs at least $10,000 and that's a big expense. Like you want to take as much free courses as you, as you can before you invest in something like, like at least $10,000. So that's my advice of how you would go that route. Yeah. And it was actually funny because like when I did back to the um co- the cybersecurity bootcamp, because my program was funded by Barclays, they were a sponsor of the um the free um cybersecurity course. They actually hired me right after because they knew me from the program. So that's how I got my first job. And it was even before I graduated, they gave me a job offer. So within a month after finishing the program, they hired me when I started wow. my job. So that's how I, I got into tech from that. So like, I would say if you're trying to start out, like going to tech, definitely look into the free tech boot camps that are coming up. And then once you get into those tech boot camps, go into um, meetup and look for all the different tech um, meetups that are there. And then from there, meet people at the other tech meetups. And then you can get ideas from other people, kind of like mine, where I just met a girl at a hackathon. And then you can all network together because someone is going to help you eventually on the way because someone knows somebody. And that's the yeah. easiest way I would say to get into tech because rather than just going straight to a boot camp because what happens if you don't like it? Then you waste ten thousand dollars and that's not okay. Like, you know, like to waste ten thousand right. dollars, that's a lot of money. I think that's a great message just in general. Whenever you're thinking about like starting something new, make sure you're doing your research. And there's so many free resources online and just you can find through talking to people that are maybe doing what you imagine you want to do. Like really hone in and see if you can see yourself doing this for the long term. Because once you actually get serious about it, you're probably going to have to make investments in what you're trying to do. And it's just important to make a decision from like a really educated place. Definitely. I actually kind of regret not doing that. So that's why I'm telling everybody else to do that. Because like mm-hmm. before I started my coding bootcamp, I should have spent more time like taking up all the free resources. This was back in 2016. So it wasn't as much as as it is now. But still, like I could have like paid like what 20 bucks to take a coding class or something else instead of paying like straight up $10,000. So it's definitely like even if you had to invest like $20 or like less than $100 for like buying multiple courses, try to look into them first. And the thing is that you have to remember is that each teacher has a different teaching style. Just like like you as a food blogger, each blogger that's a food blogger or whatever kind of blogger, you each have a different style. So you got to learn better from one blogger for certain things and you can learn from another blogger for certain things. So there's no one size all fits all for the equation. Right. So in order to get into tech, do you actually need to get a degree or, or graduate from one of these boot camps or can you just do like your own hands-on training and then just be able to demonstrate that you know what you're doing? So my friend Logan actually is like that. He did a lot of, he was always into video games and he didn't finish his college degree, but because he knew how to code so well, he made all these different programs and everything. He actually got a job that way. He didn't even finish college. And because he had all these projects down his belt, he was able to like talk to people in interviews and 
argue against them like hey you should hire me for this so for anyone going down a road it is possible but the only um thing in the road that you might face is that a you don't have a college degree so you have to work extra hard to make sure your projects make sense because if someone looks through your portfolio on github where you store all your coding projects for your interview if you don't like what they see then they're gonna start bringing all these other things against you saying like you don't have a college degree what are you talking about and you know you don't want to get yourself in that equation so if you do choose the other way where you just do a coding boot camp or not a coding bootcamp at all, make sure your portfolio is polished because then people would really like your portfolio then. I love that. That's great advice. Thanks. Yeah, of course. All right. So I want to talk about your spending habits and like what, were you always like a thrifty person or did you get inflation lifestyle as you started making more money? Like what was your scenario like? I think for me growing up, I had like no money. So like I always went to like the dollar store or like find ways to stack coupons on top of that. So when I went to college, it was actually kind of funny. Like when I went to college, I actually lived with 56 people in a house in Berkeley. How many? 56. Oh my God. So that was like, I always carry that thriftiness onto different aspects of my life. So um, that was one of the cheapest ways to pay for rent. Because um, we had co-ops in Berkeley. It's not at every university. So I lived with 56 people for two years because I was way cheaper than paying for a dorm. It was way cheaper than off-campus housing because they had furniture included. And they had food included because we got delivery from other, like, um, food co-ops. Or we got delivery from Costco. So it was like everything was in bulk. So, like, for me, and on top of that, when I was studying abroad in Rome, I literally did this. I went on a bunch of different scholarship websites. I, like, wrote essays. Like, it didn't take that long. Some of them, I'm not going to lie, I recycled from another paper <laughs> like that I did for school. And then I just changed a few things here and there. And I ended up studying abroad in Rome for free. So I ended up um, wow. studying in Rome for free. And they gave me $7,000. And the office, the student um, office, they told me if I don't use all the money, I had to give it back to the university. So I was like, no, I'm not going to give you back $7,000. And then I asked them because I had college loans. I was like, can you, can I use this college loans for this? And they're like, no, you have to use it that, that semester. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm traveling, because I'm studying abroad, does that count as an expense? And they're like, yes. So I was like, all right, if you're going to make me work this game, then I'll work this game and travel everywhere for like the semester. So that's what I did. And wow. then um, now I live in New York City, and I've been recently getting more into travel hacking. So I'm finding out different ways to stack coupons or in like portals to find more deals. So yeah, let's get into that because I'm obsessed with this concept of travel hacking. And I have a couple of travel credit cards like the Chase Sapphire uh, Reserve and things like that. But I feel like I'm just not good at like understanding the point system and all this stuff. So can you just talk us through like what some tips and tricks are for travel hacking that you're implementing? Yeah, definitely. So um, for Chase, how it works is that you have to maximize each different like level that they have. So an example would be like last quarter, Chase Freedom had, I think it was like 5% cash back if you used it for your cell phone bill. So you you max out like whatever amount that they have. I think it's up to $1,500. So if you're paying your cell phone bill that month or you could pay months in advance, you can make up that $1,500, right? And then you can move those points because um, in Chase Freedom, it's only 1%. So you move the Chase Reserve and it's worth 1.5 in the Chase Ultimate Rewards portal. So you have to play the game where you move points around to different places. So another one is Chase Inc. Preferred, where it's three times the points for like cell phone. But on top of that, they have cell phone insurance. So then like if you're going to break your screen or anything, you want to use that card. 
But if you don't care about phone insurance, there's also Chase Inc. Cash, where you get five times the points for cell phone. So it kind of depends on like how you want to play the game. The best strategy I have is to look at your spending habits, see like, okay, I'm going to charge my cell phone on Chase Inc. Cash because that's 5% versus 3% on Chase Inc. preferred because I don't care about cell phone protection. So it depends on what your goals are in the end, at the end of the day. And I actually called Chase. I was like, well, if I get Chase in cash, can I use half the credit card to pay for the other one? Because I'm already a Chase customer. They're like, no, lady, you have to use only one. You cannot stack them this way. You cannot get cell phone protection if you use the other Chase card. And I was like, okay, fine. That's fine. I'm still a customer to Chase. So that's fine. I just had to figure out where I want to move my money. Yeah. So what's the most successful like travel hack that you've been able to accomplish so far? Okay, so for me, it just depends on where I'm going. So like if you're trying to like get like like flights and everything for the chase system, you have to move them to partners. I'm not going to lie. I was really bad about that. Like I didn't move them to partners and I went directly in a portal, which is horrible because when you move points to different um, partners, you maximize the amount of points. So, so for when me, you say partners, that's like a hotel or an airline or something yeah, like that? Yeah, definitely. So like one example is for Hyatt, they have 5,000 points if you book a hotel. So instead of me doing it through the Chase portal, I could have moved 5,000 points to them and got the free night. Like, you know, so it, it yeah. all depends on what your goals are. I'm not going to lie. Like I was really bad about that. So what I've learned is that you have to see like what you want to do. So an example would be like, I'm planning to go to um, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri for a conference for a women travel summit. So the first thing is you, you have to do is make sure that hotel or hotel or airline services that place. So an example would be for that city, for Kansas City. When I was Googling around for Hyatt, because, you know, that's only 5,000 points, they don't have any. So that means I would have to use IHG, which is another chase card to move my points to there because it's a lot closer for me to book a hotel. The Chase Hyatt um, hotel that they had was like literally, I think, like a 15 or 20 minute Uber ride outside the city for the conference. And I'm like, for me, it's like, I don't even, I'm not even from Kansas City. Like, I'm not going to pay 15 or 20 minutes to hop in an Uber to go to a conference just to get a free hotel. I'm going to find the one nearby. But since IHG is another um, hotel that you could transfer your points to through Chase, and it's only a 10 minute walk, I could walk 10 minutes to go to that conference, you know, so it just depends on where you want to start and see from there. So like, first thing I would do is um, Google where you want to go to and see what transfer partners that are available for that specific place. And then after that, just figure out what you want to do. Do you want to like, like if you were renting a car, I would understand why you would choose the one that's 20 minutes outside the city. But if you're not and you want to be nearby like me, you want to walk 10 minutes, you know, you don't want to take an Uber and like be 20 minutes outside the city or pay for car rental. So it just depends on what your goals are, you know. Mm-hmm. Because if you're yeah. doing a road trip, you know, it would make sense for you to be 20 minutes outside the city because that's only 5,000 like points to transfer. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So what does um, like a typical travel hack scenario look like for you? Like, are you getting like free flights or hotel or like, you know, I'm actually moving I'm actually moving more towards like maximizing hotels. So I used to be like the person I am. I used to be that super budget person who stays in hostels and everything. And then after a while, it's like, you know, coming of age, you realize like, okay, I don't want to do that anymore because then you just like, you know, you have different standards when you come to different phases in your life. So that's why I started researching more different ways to transfer points for hotels. And it wasn't until I went to a conference called Chicago Seminars. 
it's a points conference and I went in October where I, m- I met a bunch of other travel hackers there that I realized, okay, I am doing it wrong. I am not Ooh. using the best ways to maximize points. I book stuff through the portal, which is bad because you're supposed to transfer it to partners. So I'm slowly getting better about that. Right now I have like 97,000 points. And originally I was supposed to go to a few conferences this month. I was supposed to go to TravelCon and Women Travel Summit. And I was going to use my points there because I was going to transfer it to the partners. But the problem is is because of coronavirus, it kind of like wiped all my um, travel plans away. So Mm -hmm. for me, like I was actually going to start doing more of the implementation like now because I had it all in place I was like I have I saved all these points now I have enough points to actually like implement what I'm planning to do but it all got delayed because of coronavirus yeah I wanted to ask you about that so does the whole scenario right now with coronavirus make you rethink your plans or your side hustle as a as a travel blogger like what does that look like for you for me, I'm actually like, for me, I'm not going to book anything until it gets settled down. Because for me, it's like, I'd rather take the hit on points. Like just like, it might cost more money to pay for points like later, but like with coronavirus and the thought of it even coming back, because it's kind of like the Spanish flu where it goes away for a little bit, then it comes back. We don't know that. So like, I'm not going to risk it and book something and then talk to like Delta or whoever for the phone for two hours. Like, cause I had a friend who did that and yeah. like, I'm not going to wait two hours of my time just like being on hold for delta so i think right now i'm just gonna take the hidden points and wait until the date comes closer and then i'll then i'll just pay a little bit more for points for to get the hotel mm-hmm. or and the flight yeah that's awesome do you have any recommendations for your favorite travel rewards cards yes so i actually like chase products so i i haven't touched amex yet so the, i'll tell you why so for amex um for platinum it's based on the calendar basis so if you got the platinum card in december you could technically get that benefits for that year and the next year because next month is january not all cards operate that well that way so you have to see the little details about each different travel card card and for me the reason why i'm doing chase first is because chase has that rule where you cannot have more than five credit cards in the past 24 months so right now i'm trying to max out all on all my trace credit cards before i start moving on towards dealt towards um amex and like the different products within amex so the big players in this industry are um chase amex and a little bit of city and capital one they're not as big as chase and amex but city capital one is um city one it is city one i meant capital one um capital one is also a good player if you want purchase wipeout like you could wipe out the purchase you made so an example would be like let's say you went on a cruise you know you can't transfer points to like a cruise airline or like a boat you know to go to antarctica or somewhere else so what you can do is use the purchase eraser on capital one to wipe out that purchase if you have enough points so it kind of depends on what you want to do so if you're trying to go to like somewhere like me where i'm trying to go to new orleans or kansas city for a conference you're going to transfer to a partner right because if you find out that a big partner is delta and if you know that um airlines they have like a delta credit card or so like you're gonna use that one you know you're not gonna waste like money like paying out like in person versus if you're going to like somewhere like i was going for antarctica like you kind of have to use a purchase eraser to wipe out some of the points to get cash back so it just depends where you're going to see what options you have i love that so you went to antarctica yes so i went to antarctica in november slash december of 2019 wow can you talk about that what that experience was like 
It it was it was a good experience. It's definitely very cold. Some of my <laughs> my experience going to Antarctica that was like a checklist item for me. So like I paid off all my college loans last year, and like I had enough savings and everything. And then I was like, okay, you know, I've always wanted to go to Antarctica because I'm gonna knock out the last seven continents on my list. So I'm gonna do it. So my biggest advice, if you want to go to a big trip like Antarctica, is to go to the travel conventions. So like being in New York City, um, we have a New York Times travel show. So at the New York Times travel show, they have discounts for those kind of deals because that's a big trip. So they have all the travel vendors there. And a lot of the travel vendors there have promo codes. So because I was at the New York Times travel show, they gave me a discounted rate. And then that's the easiest way for you to get a discounted rate. On top of that, if you're even better where you have a more flexible schedule, you can get those um, emails from a lot of the travel companies based in Argentina. Like, because you leave from Hoshuaila, Argentina to go into Antarctica, mm-hmm. sign up on their email list for all their deals okay. because last minute they have email deals. So I it was I paid like what five or six thousand dollars to go in a four people in my room. I met a girl when I was at um, another travel conference, literally in March. She paid the same price I paid, but had her own room because oh, they wow. had a last minute deal where someone else canceled or didn't sell enough seats. So like, if you're very flexible, definitely get on those email lists where you could book last minute. But if you're like a person like me, I had to tell my job like at least like a few weeks like in advance that I'm going to go on a big trip, you know, if not a few weeks, maybe like a month or so, because if I'm gone for half the month, like they have to know for like a big trip like that. But if you're very mm-hmm. flexible, you could be on those email lists and literally just go. And that girl literally booked that um trip literally like a week or two prior. But oh, wow. Yeah, because she had that much flexibility at her job to just go, go off and go. But the only risk is if you book last minute, depending what boat you go on, they might sell out of kayaking or any of the other activities. So you risk that versus like if you book in advance, you have first priority to sign up. But it varies from boat to boat if you can sign up in advance or do you do it once you get on the boat. So each boat has their different policy. So you went to Argentina and then you took a boat to Antarctica? Yes. So I um, I flew into Buenos Aires, and then from Buenos Aires, I took another flight to Hoshuaila, Argentina. And then from Hoshuaila, Argentina, you could take a boat to go to Antarctica. And how long does that take? It took about two or three days, depending on how bad what? the weather is to go from Argentina. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so like depending on, because the Drake Passage is known as one of the most notorious like sea passages. Mm. I actually had extra protection. So I got the stickers for like behind my ears and I took the medicine and I took the watch because I didn't <laughs> want to r- risk it. I know it sounds crazy, but like I, for me, I was like, no, I'm not going to risk it because I went to the Bahamas earlier um, the year and I already got seasick from my trip to Bahamas. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to a different like far away <laughs> place, like I am not risking it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. At all. Like, so I got the watch. I got a recommendation. Actually, I was in a Twitter chat and someone recommended me to get the watch. So I did that. I got the stickers for behind my ears. I took the medicine that my doctor gave me and I got the watch and I was not seasick at all. But I don't know if you had to go to that extremes that I went through, (laughs) but I did it. I was like, I'm not risking this trip at all. I paid so much money to go on this trip. I am not risking it at all. And other people who were on the boat, they got seasick because they didn't have the, like all the, um, the different like devices that I had, but it just depends on the person of like their tolerance. Like some people only got away with just having the stickers. For me, I can't get away with like that. I need everything. Like I can't get away with just having the stickers behind my ears for um, seasickness. I need everything. So for me, I went to that extremes. And if you buy it on the boat, it's more expensive. So you have to get it um, through your doctor beforehand. And I actually didn't know this either. So like when your doctor gives you the seasick medicine, I think it's a week or two in between that you have to get the medicine for the second one because they can only give you one batch at a time. So last minute when I was at CVS, um, the pharmacist was nice enough to call the insurance company for me and tell them like, no, it's emergency. She's leaving tomorrow. Like <laughs> she, you have to give her both because like um, it's, it's more expensive to pay out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And then the pharmacist spoke to the um, the representative at my insurance company and they're like, no, she needs it. She's here. Like blah, 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 blah. Like you have to give it to her because she's leaving tomorrow. So like if you don't want to run that situation, definitely give you yourself at least like two weeks in between to get two dosages because I didn't want to risk it. I had one um, dosage where it's supposed to last like, I think like seven days or so. But since my trip was 10 days, I was like, I'm not risking it. I'm going to get that extra like for 10 days. And yeah. the pharmacist was nice enough to like call my insurance for me because not every pharmacist will go that extra like way for you. They might tell you to do it yourself and call them yourself. But he was nice enough to like, like where he called them for me and then he spoke to them like no she's leaving tomorrow and blah 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 blah. like you can't like you have to give her this medicine for this rate because it's cheaper for her to get it because she doesn't want to pay out of pocket and I was like yeah of course I don't want to pay out of pocket for the extra charge and then um, (laughs) he was nice enough to do that for me when I was at the pharmacy for CVS that's awesome I cruise a lot so I deal with seasickness and I try to always have medication with me and whatnot but I find like as I've gotten older 
I'm like more susceptible to seasickness than I was um, when I was younger. And I actually have like now when I get off cruises, at least like seven days long, I feel like the ground is moving for a couple days afterwards. I don't know oh, if you experienced that I when felt. you got back. That's how I felt yeah. when I was in Bahamas. So definitely that watch helps a lot. So I didn't feel okay. that at all when I had that watch. Because um, what did you use? Did you use only stickers or did you use? I the used over-the-counter like Dramamine or Bonine. Oh, I had that too. But yeah. I felt like that wasn't as effective as the watch. Because the mm -hmm. watch is mo it's like based on your like, you know, because it's a watch. It's based on motion. So it detects uh -huh. it and stuff. So when I used the watch, I think it helped me the most out of all the three products I used. Because like, you know, the medicine, it makes you very dehydrated too. So you had to drink lots of water. And then like, um, I felt like the, the watch was the most, um, the best one out of all the products I used. But What's I used all three. What's watch that you used? Do you remember? Um, I could forward a link afterwards. So you could have yeah. a direct link for it. I got it off Amazon because I was in a travel travel Twitter chat. And one of the girls went to um, Antarctica and she told me that she used it and she had no issues at all. And for me, I felt like, okay, I went to the Bahamas. I already felt like wobbly like you after like you know like seven days or so and I don't want to feel wobbly because it's just like you know it's it's annoying yeah. so like it was definitely worth the investment for me to get that and I think with your HSA you're allowed to buy motion sickness medicine I was actually researching this. yeah yeah I was actually researching this I think you're allowed to as long as you have like a doctor's note so like definitely look into that too because I was researching this And like earlier today, I was like looking through the, the list from HSA products because just like the week before they announced that over the counter medicine, which, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, like seasick medicine that's over the counter right. and feminine care products counts towards your HSA. And since your HSA is pre-tax dollars, that's a lot more savings than you paying it post-tax, you know? Oh, wow. That's so awesome. I was actually looking to deeper into it. And it looks like you could also use it for an air conditioner, air filters, a humidifier, like all these bunch of random things. So I'm actually emailing my doctor because it's, you know, it's springtime. It's going to get hotter. Like I need an AC unit. I'm not going to roast inside like an apartment. So like I'm actually going to email my doctor to see if she could write me doctor notes. I mean, I'll let you know what she says. If if I end up getting away with it where she writes me doctor notes where I could just use my pre-tax dollars to get these purchases. Wow, that's amazing. And, yeah. you know, there's actually a lot of states have, like, tax holidays where you can buy, especially in the south where, like, there's hurricanes. Like, here in Florida, they usually do, like, a week-long tax holiday where you can buy things like air conditioners or generators or things that would help you prepare for emergencies. So it's definitely worth finding out locally as well if there's, like, a time period in your state that offers that opportunity. Oh, that's nice. So for your case, you would stack both savings. You would email your doctor. It literally takes you like one minute and ask her like, mm -hmm. hey, can I get a doctor's note to buy all these different things? Right. And when Florida announces that they have like no tax for that week, you would buy that purchase then. Because yep. what is the IRS going to say to you? They're going to see that you have a doctor's <laughs> note. Like yep. they can't like fight you about a doctor's note. Like, and I'm pretty sure they'd rather you're fight. You're the ones making the rules. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure they'd rather fight someone that has like a million dollars or a billion. They're not going to fight like, you know, they're not going to come after like a small person, but it's still good to have yeah. the doctor notes ready in case they come after you. And if you're taking advantage of just emailing your doctor for literally like a, a minute or two, and then you, you save that email and that doctor's note. And then when it's tax free, like you said, for Florida, then mm -hmm. you buy your AC unit. Like what, what crime have you done? You, you took advantage of the rules, right? Like yep. you didn't commit a crime. <laughs>
you have to know what the rules are so you know how to play by them for sure. Exactly. And that's like kind of like travel hacking. It's like where you have to maximize based on what credit card you have based on your spending. Like kind of like I was saying for chasing cash, that's good for self cell phone, you know, because it's five times the points. But then um, chase freedom. It's good when you have grocery deals. Like right now, this quarter is 5% back on groceries. And then also for Chase Reserve, because it's like 1.5 in the Chase portal for your points. So you move everything to Chase Reserve. So it's all about playing the game by their rules. And you have to think at the end of the day, those banks, they make so much money. So it's like, so like you, if you're going to, if they're going to implement these things, you take advantage of their game too, you know? Absolutely. So a lot of these travel cards have um, annual fees associated with them. So how do you justify the cost? Like, how do you decide which ones are worth the cost and which ones are not? So it really depends on how you want to spend things. So I'll give you an example. So like um, my roommate, she has never paid a single annual fee for City Premier. So she literally calls them each year and tells her like, hey, I'm a loyal customer to Citibank, blah, 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 blah. I shouldn't be paying for this. I think at most her longest conversation lasted like 20 or 30 minutes. But you think about it, 20 or 30 minutes and you save yourself almost $100. Mm-hmm. So the way you have to do it, it's like you would have to call them and say like, hey, I'm like a loyal customer. I shouldn't be having to pay for this. Unfortunately for me, I've done it with Chase and they said no, but I did the cost benefit analysis and I actually um, save money by using the credit card versus paying for cash. So you really have to see what your spending habits are. For me, since I live in New York and I am, I'm from California originally, it makes sense for me to have a travel credit card because I fly to California a few times a year to see my parents and everything. So it just depends on your spending habits. But if you're a local person, you might not be traveling that much, right? Because if your family's in New York and you're from New York, like you're the chances of you traveling, like, and also I like, if you don't travel a lot, like it wouldn't make sense for you to have a travel credit card. It might make more sense for you to have a cash back card because you can maximize on those points. So it just depends on like your habits. If you're like big on saving like me for like a trip, or if you just want to save every day, every day on an everyday basis, it make me make more sense to get a cash back card. Yeah. I love that. So what's the craziest travel experience you've had so far? Oh my gosh. So there's so many like, um, okay. So I guess in, um, Antarctica. So what happened was that we, we just got back to at dock for Antarctica. So we were not allowed to leave the boat because they thought someone got measles. So this was like, you thought coronavirus was bad. This is like a few months before coronavirus started to happen. And I could feel the sense of like how the people are feeling now from coronavirus of how I felt when I was on the boat because of a similar situation. They wouldn't let us leave. So I actually had to end up missing my flight and I had to call American Airlines for them to switch me to a different flight because like it was a big mess. So originally what happened was when I was going to Argentina and Antarctica, I booked the flight to connect in Chile, but then the protests happened in Chile. So I was like, okay, now I had to switch it where I had to connect somewhere else because like, I'm not going to like, it doesn't make sense for me to stay here when there's a bunch of protests going on in Chile. And the person who sat next to me on my flight told me like, lady, don't go there. I was just, I just came back from Chile. It was impossible to get to the airport. It literally took me forever to get to the airport because all the people are protesting in the streets. They're not letting you have public transportation. It's hard to get a cab. And I was like, okay, so now I have to call like the airline to do that. So when I called American Airlines, they were nice enough to not charge me to switch my flight to connect in Peru instead to go back to um to the US. 
And then um, when I was on the boat for like 10 days, like I finished my Antarctica trip. And then um, on the way leaving for the boat, they announced that someone might have got measles on the boat. So this was like scary, you know, because they wouldn't let us leave the boat. And they made every single person get a measles shot on the boat. And they didn't care if you got your measles shot when you were a baby or beforehand, if you had a booster shot or anything. But because it took so long to get the the shot, because there's so many people on the boat, I ended up missing my flight. And then like when I got to the airport, they were nice enough to only charge me $15 for my next flight. But it was already a hassle in itself because like I originally changed that flight because of the protests in Chile. And then now I have to like do another flight change, you know, and they didn't, they didn't charge me money. They only charged me $15 for that flight that I, that I had to miss. But it was a hassle in itself because like when something like that happens, like you have to like, just like, you know, hope for the best plan for the worst, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That brings me back to a trip that I took last year. So my husband and I, we decided that we, cause we just moved to Florida in 2018. So we hadn't really like explored the state too much. So we were like, let's take the Amtrak from Tampa to West Palm beach. And then, you know, so we can see the countryside of Florida, whatever. And then from West Palm beach, we'll take like, um, an Uber or something, or like a light rail down to Miami, and we'll get on a cruise from Miami. So we get on the train, everything's great. About an hour and a half into the train ride, it stops. And we're just like, okay, like what's going on? So we're there for an hour, we're there for two hours. And then the conductor comes on and he's like, another train ahead of you, like hit a car on the track. Oh right? my gosh, that's scary. And there was nowhere for us to go because it's one track, you know, going west and one track going east. So basically it was like, we don't know when we're going to get off this train. Mind you, we're like in central Florida, like farmlands, like cows. There's like nothing. There's literally nothing where we are. And we're like frantically on Google, like, are there even taxi places here? Are there rental car places here? No, there was nothing. There was like one taxi place. Oh my God. <laughs> and long story short, we ended up paying like $200 for a like one and a half hour long taxi ride from Okeechobee, Florida to West Palm Beach, was, which was just insane. Like, and we made our trip. We made our cruise, thank God, because we had decided to take the train ride the day before. If we had decided to do the same day, like we would have completely missed our whole trip. And it was just the craziest thing. Like anything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Yeah. That's like intense. It's intense because like for me, it's like I've been pretty lucky where a lot of my trips aren't like that, where like something last minute like happens like that. For that for that Antarctica trip, like think about Antarctica. It's already like hard as it is, right? Yeah. Like to go to like a place that usually you can only go like from from late um late October, so like November, early November to March. That's the only time frame you can go to um Antarctica. And on top of that, for Antarctica, if you miss the boat, you miss the boat. There's yeah. like it's not like going on a flight where you just catch next one. The boat leaves for like 10 days or so for each different boat company. So if you missed a boat and you only got 10, 10 days off from work, it's over, you know? Yeah. And like if the next boat you want to take, you you have to pay for that, you know? Like and it's even like your situation, like you were just trying to go on a train. Like <laughs> going on a train is not not yeah. like it's not hard, you know, it's, it's easy to hop on. It's not like going on a flight where right. you literally have to go there for like pre-check and everything to check in your bag. 
for train you just think to yourself you're like oh I could just hop on and hop off like yeah that's no problem <laughs> I will like, never do that again exactly like you never thought that like hopping on a train is just like hop on and hop off and it's like the thing is it's like it's already stressful enough to like plan a trip like that like you know because you're like oh well I'll just leave like you know like get there 15 or 20 minutes minutes early and I'll be fine to catch the train but then Mm -hmm. yours end up like almost hitting like hitting a car the train ahead of you and then you get into this whole mess and you're in a place where you don't even know where you are and like you have to figure out how to get there how do I navigate this how do I get back to my destination because if I miss it and I miss my cruise to go to um in like you know like from Florida like I don't even know what people used to do before like cell phones because I was thinking as we're on the ride like what the hell would we have done if we needed to find a taxi ride like 20 years ago, you wouldn't have Not known. Like you probably would have had to hitchhike. <laughs> and like, you're in a farmland in Florida. So yeah. it's like, you're like, okay, that's like prime, like serial, like, you know, like the yes. scary movies, you know, like, because you wouldn't, you would have to literally trust the person to hitchhike with them. Like, I've never actually really done hitchhiking, but some of my friends have done it on couch. Oh my God, that's wild. But you have to be very careful when you do that kind of stuff, too, because you don't know what that person's intentions are, you know? Exactly. Especially if you're by yourself. If you're by yourself, it's even worse. (laughs) Like, you know, because you're alone. But if you have a friend, it's still dangerous, but a little bit better. Like, I had friends who actually hitchhiked when they're in Argentina. So, like, when I was in Hoshwila, these people didn't want to pay for, like, I mean, like, everybody has their budget. I'm not going to, like, hit on anybody. But, like, they, they didn't factor enough money to, like, pay for, like, you know, like, a taxi to go to or like a bus ride to go somewhere else in the city. So, they hitchhiked. And, like, for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to pay the extra 10 or $15 for the, um, the, the bus or the train, you know? Like, I'm not going to hitchhike. But, like, if you don't plan well enough, you know, sometimes you end up having to do that because you don't have enough money. For sure. Do you ever travel alone? I actually do a lot. So most of my travels have all been solo. So when I was studying abroad in Rome... None of my, like, not, well, like, a very few of my friends wanted to go with me on trips because in, like, I got the scholarship to study abroad in Rome, so it was, I'm a little bit different than most people, so, like, I had, like, $7,000 where I had to use the money because then they told me I would have to give it back. So, like, for me, my situation was that, like, I was traveling every single week, and the thing was, a lot of the people that were in my program, they didn't want to do that because they, like, you know, it gets expensive, you know? So, for me, I ended up doing that a lot, and I ended up meeting people on the way when I started doing that. Mm. So what advice do you have for solo travels? Because like I've never done it and it kind of freaks me out because I'm just like the thought of being somewhere where I don't understand the language or don't actually know somebody there. It like is daunting. So how do you get past that? It's just something you have to get over. So like when I was in Rome, the way I thought about it, this is granted, this was before T-Mobile had um, free 3G in different countries. So I was reliant on Wi-Fi. So like if I played that free Wi-Fi, like a restaurant or a coffee shop, I was using it, you know, because um we didn't have like unlimited data back then. This is 2012. So the way I saw it was like, I was like, okay, I either go now or I never go again, because like, I never know if my job is going to give me the flexibility where I'm five months studying a abroad in a different country where I could just use this time to get to know Europe and explore different places in Europe. So I kept thinking that way. I I literally had to convince myself that all the time because I was traveling all the time by myself. I had to remind myself like, it's okay. 
like like you know what I did was that my school had um travel like, like free printing you could print at school for free so like you know it's so funny because you think about nowadays where you just go google on your phone mm-hmm. but like back then there was no free 3g for like t-mobile to like you know like go in a different country you would literally have to use the, the wi-fi at the restaurant or the coffee shop or wherever because it's like free wi-fi so like what I did was I would print out travel itineraries for me going to different places. I would literally just Google like let's say like Paris three day itinerary. I would print it out. On top of that, I would print out like a map where I map out different places, and then I would stay in hostels because back then when I was traveling alone, the easiest way to meet people when you're traveling alone is to stay in a hostel because you're all grouped together, like you're in a yeah. in the bunk room. But like now, like I feel like it's it's so funny when you look back about now how I would handle it. I mean, it just depends on your preference. So like what you can do, because then, you know, like hostels might be too young for you because they are a younger crowd. What I would do is that you can still have best of both worlds. A lot of hostels, they also have their own rooms. So you can get your own room in a hostel and still meet people in the lobby. Mm, okay. Versus I felt like when I was in hotel, it was a lot harder because like everybody in the hotel, they're either like couples or they just want to do their own thing. But I mm-hmm. felt like hostels are a lot more social. So what I would do nowadays, like, cause now I don't really feel like staying in like a 20 bed dorm. Like I did in Amsterdam. <laughs> like I know it's, it's funny when you look back, you're like, Oh wow. I can't believe I did stay in a 20 bed dorm. It's like, um, I would, um, book my own room in a hostel. And then I'll meet people in the lobby. So I was actually in China in September. So September 2019. So not not too not too long ago. So what I did, because I was solo traveling then, I was I stayed in a hostel and in the hallway, you know, in the lobby area, you can meet people there. So I literally went around asking people if they wanted to share a roast duck with me, because eating a roast <laughs> duck in Beijing is like considered like a specialty, you know? Yeah. And I was able to gra- gather a group of people to go with me to get roast duck. And the way I thought about it, I was like, if I don't do this right now, I had to pay for that roast duck by myself. And we do not have a fridge in this hostel. So that roast duck is going to go bad. And I cannot eat a roast duck by myself. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to walk around in the lobby and ask people if they wanted to get a roast duck. And I was at either gather a crew. So a, a big group of us got roast duck t- together. And we just like talked and stuff about travels from there. That's so like, awesome. Yeah. So the way I see it is like, if you want to do something like what I did, just get your find hostels that are like you know decently rated because you don't want to stay in a dirty one and mm-hmm. see if they have your own room and then in the lobby you'll see people there because people are constantly like looking up like you know deals and stuff like or just like writing or like you know like writing their blogs or just in the hallway find people there and socialize with them and ask them like hey do you want to get dinner for me or like anything else and then you could go from there and I feel like the hostels is the safest option because you guys are all staying there versus if you were to go on a tour and you guys are staying at two different places and you have to go back to someone else's place, it gets kind of like shady, you know, you know, like in that sense. So you have to play by the game. And I feel like hostels are the easiest way to do solo travel because you're already there. Like, what are they going to say to you? Like, even if I'm not liking that person, you're in a different room than them. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So like you're not yeah. going to be doing 24-7. 
Versus if you're to um, meet someone on tour, I've done this before where you meet people on tours and you stay in different places and you could still connect with each other then. But it's a little bit harder because if someone tells you to go back to their place and then like you, let's say like you, like your phone ran a battery, then okay. if you take an Uber back to your place, it, like, you know, you, your phone ran a battery, what are you going to do? You're going to stay in their place. And, you know, it just gets a little bit shady when that comes down to that. So like, right. I would say like for anyone that's planning to do solo travel, definitely look into hostels. And see, like, if you get your own room and stuff, because you could use the lobby area to meet other people. And then what you could do as a backup plan, of course, you have Google and you have a battery pack. But, you know, sometimes things go wrong where you lose the battery pack or, like, you know, you end up using all the battery. If you can, see if you could have, like, oh, this is another hack. So Staples is actually doing 50 pages of free printing right now. They have this promo going on. So you actually get this for free if you want to, like, pre-plan your activities way in advance. Mm-hmm. It's like you can actually, um, and they have free shipping. So, like, you could actually, like, print out your travel itinerary or so if you have travel notes and stuff is to like print out your travel itinerary for that specific place and then you have as backup in your back pocket so you like in your wallet you have like your travel itinerary for a place and you also have like your travel credit cards so an example would be like chase reserve where you don't have to pay foreign transaction fees or if you want to use your atm card i have charles swap so no atm fees and no foreign transaction fees so like just have everything ready for you for you to go somewhere yeah that's how i would handle it that's great advice. I think it's really just down to putting yourself out there and you have to treat it like an adventure, right? It's the same way that if you want to go and travel and explore a place, like you have to actually put yourself out there and meet people too, because that is part of the the fun. Yeah, definitely. And just like, and just remember, if you end up not liking the person, you can always leave. Like, you know, you're, <laughs> exactly. you're, always like, you're like, okay, well, I have my own room anyway, or like, I'm in a different like room anyway, in the same hostel, like, I'm not just gonna like, you know, I'm gonna keep my distance, you know? So it's like, don't like take it some personal because like, I'm not gonna lie. There's been times where I travel with other people and I end up not liking them because when you mm-hmm. travel with someone, you really see what they're like outside their comfort zone. So you, you, you get to understand them and then you realize, okay, maybe we're not compatible in this situation. And I'm not gonna spend like the rest of the trip not liking you and you like, you know, like it's gonna be a terrible like atmosphere, you know? So then like, that's how I started doing that. So it's like, if I start traveling with someone, I met at a hostel or somewhere else and we have not vibing together I'm like hey it was nice meeting you but I think we have differences I'm glad that we were able to do this together but I think we might be better off like separating for the rest of the trip like just be honest and tell them like hey like you know like because like you don't want to keep having to travel with this person and then like resent them you know right and then and it your trip. yeah and sometimes just things don't work out that way things don't work out where like you end up not vibing with someone that just happens with anything you know absolutely So I love this conversation, Angel. So where can we find out more about you and follow your journey? Oh, definitely. So my blog is called Pennywise Traveler. So all my same handles are the same, whereas Pennywise Traveler, so it's um, P-E-N-N-Y-W-I-S-E-R-T-R-I-V-E-L-E-R. I I know it sounds super long, Pennywise Traveler. The only place that's different is on Twitter because Twitter, I max out the character. So it's P-N-Y-T-R-A-V-E-L-E-R. So Pennywise Traveler, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, all the major social networks. Perfect. And I'll include links for those in the show notes. Yeah, so definitely. Thank you again. I love this conversation and I can't wait to see how your travel hacking continues to flourish and where you're off to next. Oh, that sounds so nice. Thank you so much. It was so nice talking to you today. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thank you. I hope you guys love this episode. I think Angel had so many gems to share about how you can start travel hacking 
One for me particularly was using these portals that companies like Chase create in order for you to purchase or make online purchases through their credit card websites. You know, it's something I've had access to forever and I just didn't even realize like I could totally be maximizing my online purchases by shopping through these portals. If I'm going to buy something anyway, why not get like 15 points for every dollar I spend versus just the $1 for, you know, using the company's website to make your purchase. So this conversation with Angel definitely made me realize I need to take my travel hacking to the next level. I already have a shit ton of travel cards in general. So I just can't wait to start implementing her strategies to start vacationing for free because I mean, hello, who doesn't want that? So if you're loving these episodes, if you're loving this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. Please make sure to share. That way people like you can find us, right? We're talking to all types of amazing women and we're actually talking to a man in two weeks. Hello. And we're just talking to amazing people who are doing amazing things when it comes to personal finance, maximizing their money and living their best freaking lives. So make sure to subscribe. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. I'm super active there and I'm always connecting with people, whether it's, you know, through DMs or putting together programming. We're starting a new IG live series that's going to be on Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. And it's called Patrones y Poderosas. Hello. So we're going to be talking to boss ladies and powerful women who are making things happen in their communities and who are sharing messages and sharing empowering stories that really just make you want to get your grinds on, honey. So if that's something that you want to check out, definitely follow me on Instagram at Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast. And you can join us on our IG lives where we're hosting all types of amazing guests. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please make sure to leave a review. That helps us get visibility. That helps us get guests. That helps us get credibility and viewers and listeners and all the other shit. So it's super important. If you love us, make it known. That's why we're here. Okay. So until next time, guys, stay on budget, stay traveling, stay exploring, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.